Hey y'all, it's your host Brandon here with a little heads up. Do the Work is a show that deals with heavy and at times traumatic moments around race and racism. So, if you don't have the emotional space to hear these discussions right now, that's okay. You can always come back to this episode whenever you are ready. We hope that you take care of you. Oh, and one more thing. Sometimes we use adult language in this podcast, so if you got kids nearby, you might want to grab your headphones. All right, now let's get started. Have you ever walked into a room and noticed that everyone else was different from you? Maybe you've had this experience at the office or in your classroom. Maybe it was at a party or a fancy restaurant. If you've ever felt alone or like you don't belong in a space, then you know how nerve-wracking it can be. I know I've had that feeling that comes with looking around and realizing I'm the only person like me in the room. And look, yes, we're all different on the inside, but the inside is not what we're going to focus on here. What I'm talking about is something that happens often when you're a person of color. You walk into a room only to see that there's no one else in that room who isn't white. You're listening to Do the Work, a show that untangles the uncomfortable, offensive, and sometimes downright racist moments that happen in our personal relationships. I'm your host, Brandon Kyle Goodman. On today's show, we'll meet Lakshmi and her friend Stephanie, and we'll talk about why it's important to see people who look like you in the rooms you're in and in the books you read. That's after the break. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. All right, y'all. Let's get to know Lakshmi and Stephanie. Lakshmi is an Indian-American woman in her mid-40s who's married with three beautiful daughters. She was born in a village in Tamil Nadu, India, but because of her dad's job, her family moved around the country a lot. When she describes what kind of kid she was, here's how she puts it. I kind of... um followed the good Indian girl trajectory, which was basically listening to your parents doing, you know, um, pretty much towing the line for everything. And she was a bookworm. Lakshmi loved to read. And as a kid, she was drawn to books that were about a very specific kind of character. The biggest influence on my life were books like Little Woman, um, Pride and Prejudice, um, you know, strong female characters who had a mind of their own. As she grew up, Lakshmi embraced the fierce independence of the characters she had read about as a young girl. 
She attended college, and after graduation, she went on to work as a software developer in India. But when she got married, things uh, changed, and she faced a few unexpected challenges. First, Lakshmi uprooted her life, quit her job, and moved to a small suburb outside of Philadelphia to be with her husband. Suddenly, she was living in a mostly white town in a new country. For Lakshmi, it was isolating, and she found it hard to make new friends. Lakshmi and her husband also had difficulty starting a family. They spent eight years trying to conceive through a whole host of methods, including IVF. Another challenge for Lakshmi was what to do with her free time. She'd left her job as a software developer, and honey, she was bored a lot. So she got a job at the local bank to give herself something to do. But that brought with it a whole other problem. That was uh, my f- first culture shock in the sense, because now, um, eight hours a day, I was, I was in a place where I was surrounded by people who looked nothing like me. And this was a first for Lakshmi. Working in a place where she was the only one who looked like her? Oh, girl, I've been there. Now, Lakshmi wasn't used to this kind of environment or the uncomfortable moments that came with it, like how her co-workers wouldn't call her by her full name. They would shorten my name. I would just go with the flow because I, I didn't want to be the troublemaker. So I probably lasted in the job for about two years. Lakshmi eventually left the bank and she went on to have other jobs, but she was still having trouble meeting people who she could be friends with until she met Stephanie. Now, by this time, Lakshmi and her husband had adopted twin girls and their daughters had become friends with another set of twins at school. And those girls' mom is, you guessed it, Stephanie. Stephanie is in her 40s and is originally from the Philly area. It just so happened that the neighborhood where Stephanie and her family lived was right next to where Lakshmi's family lived. So the two moms arranged a play date for their daughters. And while they were at the park watching over the kids, Lakshmi and Stephanie realized they had some things in common themselves. As Stephanie remembers it, they talked about motherhood what role motherhood would play in our lives and what that would mean for our jobs and how much we were willing to give up in terms of time and energy and commitment to having this family, which we both did. And also their experiences with infertility. Figured out that we had kind of traveled down a similar path in terms of going through infertility and she went through the adoption process. I did not. Not to mention, they both loved to read. I was always a big reader my entire life, like just an absolutely voracious reader. We didn't have a lot of books when I was a kid, but I would just reread books endlessly and fell passionately in love with so many books. Y'all, they hit it off instantly. That evening, I think we stood in the park swatting mosquitoes for about an hour and a half or two hours. It almost felt like our lives were parallel. Now, I should mention that Lakshmi's two adopted daughters, her twin girls, are white. And it's very important to her that her twins have people in their lives who look like them. So, for Lakshmi, 
Becoming friends with Stephanie was a big deal, not just for her, but for her daughters too. The one thing where I, I, I needed to make an effort was making sure that my, my inner circle, so to speak, the people that I interact with on a daily basis and do it joyfully, needed people like my children. It was an awesome opportunity to get an insight into what it was like to raise a child in this, in this country because I hadn't gone to school here. When Stephanie invited Lakshmi to join her book club, it was an enthusiastic yes. Lakshmi thought it would be a good way to continue to develop her friendship with Stephanie. It was also a great way for the two women to indulge in their passion for reading while also juggling the busy schedule of being full-time moms. But for Lakshmi, it unexpectedly brought back that feeling she had had years ago while working in the bank. I didn't realize when I joined that I would be the you know, single brown person in a group of about nine or ten ladies. And over the past few years of being part of the book club, she has had to endure some awkward moments. Like during her first meeting, which was right before the holidays. Everybody's talking about church and Christmas and vacations. And, and here I am standing. I had no vacation planned. I don't go to the church. I'm not extremely religious. There was literally nothing I could talk about. Lakshmi has stuck with it because she sees the book club as an opportunity to make friends who look different than her. And to her, that's a valuable education. But she wonders if that feeling that there's value in learning about other cultures is felt by the other members of the club, too. Like, for instance, many of the books that the group selects to read are by white authors a theme that echoes back to the books Lakshmi read as a kid growing up in India. I grew up with the notion that books always had to have white people. Some of the books the group has read are The Great Gatsby, My Brilliant Friend, and Station Eleven, just to name a few. But that's not to say that every pick has been, shall we say, highbrow. A while back, they read Twilight. You know, that one about the vampires and werewolves and whatever. Yeah, it didn't go over so well with the group. Anyway, like most book clubs, the members take turns picking a book for the group to read. Lakshmi doesn't often make selections, but this one book really caught her attention. I probably stayed up till like 2 a.m. or something. I finished it in one sitting. There were so many parts of the book I kept going back to, reading, rereading. The book is called Good Talk. It's a graphic memoir written and illustrated by Mira Jacob, who is South Asian like Lakshmi. It's about Mira's experiences being a first-generation immigrant, having an interracial family, and raising a brown son in post-9-11 America. Despite covering some heavy topics, it's actually hilarious. So many of the microaggressions that she talks about, so much of the discomfort she feels in certain settings and the way she has to explain herself. Then the whole thing about, you know, her in-laws being avid Trump supporters and she raising a a brown child in New York. Um, So that part hit home for me um, in, in many ways. Lakshmi could not stop thinking about the book. And she wants to share it with the people in her life, including the folks in her book club. The first thought that came to my mind was, I want all of my friends to read this, especially my white friends. But because Good Talk deals with some tense issues like politics and race, Lakshmi is hesitant. 
I really, really want them to read, but I'm still, I'm not ready for the discomfort I know will come. At least a good many of them lean Republican, and I'm not sure what their views are. And their children go to school with my children. These are people I'm going to be running into every time. She's afraid that this book she loves so much that has ties to her own identity, her own culture, won't be accepted by the women in the group. In fact, Lakshmi hasn't even told Stephanie about the book yet. She's concerned that if she brings it to the group... It is going to put them on the defensive. These conversations are so fraught when it's with people that I want to remain friends with. And I know that we are probably on opposite ends of an ideological spectrum. What Lakshmi is talking about is a familiar feeling for a lot of people of color when we're in predominantly white spaces. We often spend our time and energy reading the room, tiptoeing around certain issues, questioning how much of ourselves we want to share with the other folks, the white folks, in the room. Well, after the break, I'll talk to our in-house educator, Debbie Irving, about how white folks can better support people of color when we're in mostly white spaces. But first, we'll talk to Jafreen Udin, the executive director of the Asian American Writers Workshop, about why it's important for everyone to enjoy stories about people of color by people of color. That's next. And we're back. So before we bring Lakshmi and Stephanie together to talk about reading Good Talk with the rest of the book club, let's zoom out. Do y'all remember how after George Floyd was murdered, one of the things that folks started doing, in addition to protesting, was buying books. Books like How to Be an Anti-Racist, The Fire Next Time, and The New Jim Crow. Really terrific books, some of which had been out for years. They shot up to the top of the New York Times bestsellers list. Now, I'm glad y'all were doing your homework because getting educated is the first step. But what about all the other books written by people of color? You know, the novels, the plays, the books of poetry, books that aren't necessarily about our trauma, but also capture our joy and the richness of our inner lives. Books like N.K. Jemisin's How Long Till Black Future Month, Parable of the Sower by Octavia E. Butler, or The White Boy Shuffle by Paul Beatty. Why weren't those books flying off the shelves, too? Well, to answer that question, my producers called up Jafreen Udin, executive director of the Asian American Writers Workshop. It's a nonprofit in New York which helps incubate emerging Asian American writers and serves as an inclusive space for writers of color to share their work. We love that. We wanted to talk with Jafreen about Lakshmi's dilemma, some of the unique challenges that writers of color face, and why it's important to read books by all kinds of people. We started by asking about some of the pressures of being a writer of color in the industry, like whether your work appeals to the quote-unquote mainstream. And y'all know what that really means. Is your story relatable to white people? And that's a pressure that only writers of color seem to face, that simply aren't there for white writers. Even simple things as like translating words that are just common in a language 
how often do I have to explain what this word is, whether it's a type of food, whether it's a term of endearment, whether it's, it's all these kind of colloquial language uses. And writers of color face another unique kind of pressure that white writers don't. The burden of being expected to represent the experiences of their entire community. Nobody read Wild by Cheryl Strayed and was like, oh, is every white woman going to have to agree with this? It didn't happen. And so it's it's this unique pressure that only happens with writers of color. And I think um, breaking away from that and moving more towards just like good storytelling um, is just as powerful in as, you know, representation more broadly. Jafreen also had some thoughts on Lakshmi's dilemma, her concern that Good Talk, a memoir that focuses on the life of another Indian-American woman, wouldn't be relatable enough for the white women in her book group. For starters, Jafreen pointed out that the book, like many books by writers of color, is about more than just race. One thing that perhaps makes this book so relatable for Lakshmi and even other members of her book club would be motherhood. We get so bogged down by like the niche label. It's almost like we miss the forest for the trees, right? And so obviously a South Asian mother reading this book is going to take something very specific away from it. But I think it's just as important to remember that any mother can read a book like this and take something away from it. And even if, as a reader, we don't see ourselves in the characters in a book we're reading, there's still value in taking in stories from authors who come from communities different from our own. It's a way to get a window into the lived experiences of people we've never met. I always think of this statistic after 9-11 of, you know, this large percentage of American people had never met a Muslim. And there was a direct correlation between your views on Islam and what you thought about the religion and whether you knew a Muslim in your life as a neighbor, colleague, friend, whatever. Um, And there's real power in just knowing who people are, knowing who other communities are. And I think literature does that. The power of literature is being able to travel to places from your living room, meet communities you've never heard of or never knew about. So if you want to expand your horizons through the books you read, what should you do? Well, Jafreen had some tips to share. If you're just looking for books to read, take a look at lists that organizations like the Asian American Writers Workshop puts together. Um, Take a look at bookshop.org. They also have these amazing lists that are crowdsourced by organizations like ours or um, other communities of color. And the information is there. It's just, it's it takes a little bit of work to kind of get out there and find it. Y'all heard that, right? It just takes a little bit of work. Okay, so now I want to bring in our in-house educator, Debbie Irving. Hi, Brandon. How are you? You know, today's okay. Today, today's good. So I think there's a little elephant in the room that I'd like to name right now. Oh, yes, please. I love talking about elephants in the room. Because <laughs> you always think. feel them. You might as well name them. <laughs> yes. I'm a white author. You're a white author, yep. And everything that centers white literature, the white knowledge system, is what made it easy for me mm. um, to publish a book. 
Yeah. And uh, I just want to name that. I appreciate you naming that. I can also tell you that I I self-published. And, and um, I have just chosen my very first uh, book to publish of someone else's. And it's a black woman. That's am- I love that. That's amazing. So that's a serious way I'm 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 going to do it is to be able to actually be someone who publishes the works of voices of of color if they want if they want that from me. Debbie, that's such a good example of how you as a white person are using your privilege to, you know, make space for people of color in the room, which which I think brings us to the heart of Lakshmi and Stephanie's story. So um, I guess my question is, how can white folks be more uh, aware of what people of color are experiencing in these predominantly white spaces? You know, for me, nothing has held a candle to actually being in close relationship with friends of color, because then we will be in the same space. And I think the point that um, I hope all white people get to is that if you have a friend of color and they point something out to you, don't dismiss it, minimize it, question it. Like, it is the truth. Lakshmi also pointed out to us that most of the books that she was introduced to in school were by white authors and about white people, even though she grew up in India. And I think that's the case for many of the books we read in school here in the U.S. as well. I know that's the case. (laughs) Definitely for me it was. So it makes me wonder if someone like me, a person of color, will spend so much time learning about the culture of white people in books, movies, on TV, why don't white folks feel the need to do that for us, you know, to learn about people of color and our cultures? The entire knowledge system has historically in... Um, colonized spaces, uh, white colonized spaces, is dominated by whiteness. And so we are spoon-fed it. No one ever pulled me aside and said, you know, you're growing up in a white-dominant culture. And it's not the best or the worst. It's just one of many ways of being in the world. That was not the message I got. Um, I mean, I really didn't even know. um, You know that I didn't know either. Yeah, see. <laughs> like, that's the sad thing. Right. I didn't, because whiteness, as you say, becomes normal and it becomes base. Yeah. And it, like, even like phrasing this as like white culture, it's like, I didn't even think about it as white culture. I thought about it as like culture, quote unquote, all American. But the curiosity, especially in my adulthood, of like, yeah, why haven't I read these certain books? Or why didn't I know, um, this historical figure who's black or that artist or that whatever. Why is that? I mean, I know why that is. <laughs> I think we both know why that is. But that is the work. That is the work. Mm, so much to think about. More importantly, so much to unlearn. And it's possible. So up next, Lakshmi and Stephanie are going to have a good talk about good talk. I'm sorry, that was a corny joke, but you loved it. Anyways, they're actually going to have a conversation for the first time about why Lakshmi feels hesitant to propose good talk to the book club. And we find out if Stephanie is willing to be an ally in Lakshmi's corner. That's after the break.
Hey, y'all. Before we jump back into our episode, I want to invite you to be part of our show. If you want to be a guest on this podcast, email us your story at do the work at 3uncanny4.com with the number spelled out. That's do the work at 3uncanny4.com and tell us your story. I can't wait to hear from you. And now let's get back to the show. Welcome back, y'all. So earlier on in the show, we met Lakshmi and Stephanie, and I'm just going to take a quick moment to recap their story. Lakshmi and Stephanie are friends in a book club together, and Lakshmi is the only person of color in the group. Now, at the top of the show, she told us what it's like for her to be the only brown face in a room full of white folks, and how she's hesitant to suggest a book she really loves called Good Talk to the book club, because it's different from most of the books they read. Good Talk is a graphic memoir, and it was written by Mira Jacob, who is a South Asian woman like Lakshmi. Ultimately, what Lakshmi wants to know is, if she does propose Good Talk to the group, and things get, shall we say, awkward, will she be able to count on Stephanie to be not just her friend, but also her ally through it all. Well, a few weeks ago, my producers called up Lakshmi and Stephanie so they could talk about it together for the first time. Lakshmi's face popped up on the screen first, and behind her was, not surprising, a big bookcase. A few minutes later, Stephanie joined the call. She was sitting in a dark red room with a big vintage movie poster of Cinderella hanging on the wall behind her. Now, we started by asking Stephanie if she's heard of or maybe even read Good Talk. Um, well, I, I did read the book. I think it would be a fantastic choice for our book club. I feel like we have had discussions like that before, and it may have been longer ago than when you were when you joined the book club Lakshmi so i think that definitely a bo- that that can happen seems like they've resolved the issue right well not quite at the beginning of their conversation stephanie wasn't quite understanding that it isn't that simple for lakshmi that this was going to be different than past discussions in the book club. And so Lakshmi tried explaining to Stephanie why she was hesitant to propose good talk to the book club. So the thing is, because this book means so much to me, it, it feels like it's, I, I, would, I would open myself up if, if I felt like I would be heard or, you know, um, if, if there is no dismissiveness or, you know, um, indifference. So, and do I want to risk it? What Lakshmi is saying here is that she's scared. She's scared that having a discussion about a book that is so deeply personal to her, that so closely mirrors her own experiences, will make her vulnerable in ways she doesn't want to be. What if the other women in the group can't relate to the themes and stories of the book? What if they get defensive about how Mira Jacob describes her life as a brown person in a post-9-11 America? 
What if the discussion gets combative? What if the members of the group expect Lakshmi to speak for all people of color? And most importantly, if any of those things happen, can Lakshmi count on Stephanie to support her? I feel like kind of ill-equipped um, in, in many ways. Like, I, I, I don't want the other person to say, you don't know what you're talking about. I guess uh, wariness about choosing a book like that, I think is something that, much like you're saying that the, an outsider can't relate to your your experiences, your fears, your... I, I feel the same way. I don't think I can say, well, you should just choose it and it will be an easy choice. Okay, so now Stephanie is starting to understand why this won't be easy for Lakshmi. That for Lakshmi, it isn't just about the book. It's also about having to be more honest with the group about her experiences as an Indian American woman. And that's something she's never done before with the other members in the book club. And for Stephanie, one way she can relate to Lakshmi's dilemma is understanding how hard speaking up can be. She shared her own feelings about being one of the more outspoken members of the group. I myself, as outspoken as I am, it's really hard for me. It's, it's I guess it's good for me because I, I feel uncomfortable. For a long time in the discussion, I will feel like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to let it go. I'm not going to get this, I'm not going to get this whole topic riled up. Like everyone's agreeing, it's it, we're good. And then I just, I can't stop myself. I live for your <laughs> outburst. You know, it's, you know that, right? <laughs> I love the view that you bring to it, almost everything. But it's, that's what's, that's what's great about it though. It's, it's easier not to, but there's so much value in doing it. So how does Stephanie understand her role now in supporting Lakshmi? Well, it turns out this conversation with Lakshmi about being an ally to someone whose experiences are different from your own, well, it reminded Stephanie of another relationship in her life between her and her husband. He will support what is important to me, what I feel needs to be done for myself, my daughters, their futures, and just even something like attending the Women's March in in D.C., having all of these men there, it's wonderful. I think there's a, a beauty to that willingness to want to learn, to want to know more. And you do have to become vulnerable to bring up the topic, to, ex- to ex- expose yourself to that. So I, I totally get that. It's easier to just stick with um, where you feel safe and very comfortable. And for Lakshmi, I wanted to know, now that she's talked through it with Stephanie, is she going to recommend good talk to the group? I probably will. <laughs> now that it's out in the open, right? So the thing is, this whole thing came about because I was thinking about, you know, um, <laughs> situations that where I felt uncomfortable. Now that the discomfort is out, <laughs> there's really nothing to hold me back. Now, before we go, there's one more thing I want to tell you about Lakshmi. You remember that bookcase that was behind her during our call with her and Stephanie? Well, it's filled with books for her kids, both her adopted twin daughters who are white and their younger sister, Lakshmi's biological child. And there's one very special book on that bookcase called Why Is My Hair Curly? That book was written by Lakshmi, and it's about a girl who looks like her. Who has curly hair, 
um, who's adopted and doesn't fit in. She doesn't feel like she fits in in her family. She doesn't feel feel like she fits in at school. Um, and the story is how she reconciles with her hair. Yes, honey, do the damn thing. You better get it. See, Lakshmi wrote the book after struggling to find children's books in the U.S. that featured kids who look like Lakshmi's youngest daughter. Kids who have brown skin, curly hair, and eat Indian food at home. And this is something people of color have to do often. Way too often, if you ask me. We have to make space for ourselves when there isn't any. Whether it's on the library shelves, in the workplace, or even in the book club. Now, Lakshmi and Stephanie's story may have been focused on a book club, but y'all, it is about so much more than that. These situations happen all the time, including in spaces that people of color have to frequent daily, like the workplace or the classroom. And that's why I really want to leave y'all with something here. If you're a person of color who knows what it's like being the only one in the room, The first thing I want to say is that I know what that's like, too. I know how challenging it can be, how uncomfortable and exhausting it can feel. And the advice I would share with you is this. Find your community. It may not be at the workplace or at school, but find the people who look and love and identify like you so that you can share your frustrations and your wins and your joys and your failures with each other. Find those people that when the day gets rough, you can text or call and just let out a big, oh my God, what is happening? And they will in turn give you the words of encouragement that you need to get through your day. And if you're a white person, I really want you to consider the things you can do to help people of color feel supported in white spaces. It could be as simple as proposing a book by an author of color to your book club instead of relying on the people of color in the group to do it. Or it could mean making sure that when you're in these spaces, at school, at the office, or anywhere else, you're including more people of color and helping to make these spaces more diverse to begin with. Finally, I want to encourage everyone to read a book that you normally wouldn't pick up by an author who doesn't look like you. Maybe someone who isn't even making the the bestsellers list. This is my homework assignment for you. Except not really, because I don't give out homework assignments, honey. You're going to love doing it. And it's going to be fun. And we know that homework is not fun. So this is just, what are we going to call it? Fun work? We'll call it fun work. Do your fun work. Do the Work is a Three Uncanny Four production. The show is hosted by me, Brandon Kyle Goodman. Our in-house educator is Debbie Irving. Our senior editor is Amy Eason. Our senior producer is TJ Raphael. Our associate producers are Rahima Nasa and Sharina Ong. Catherine Shoemaker is our development producer, and Jenny Kim is our production manager. Our executive producer is Laura Mayer. Special thanks to Adam Davidson and Nuna Sharafuddin. The show was mixed by Joanna Katcher at Nice Manners. Ava Amabehi is our fact checker, and Elisheba Itouf created the theme. 
If you like the show, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. And hey, why not leave a rating and a comment while you're there? It really helps new listeners find the show. Or better yet, tell somebody about us, honey. And if you want to have your own story featured on the show, email us at do the work at 3uncanny4.com. That's what the number's spelled out. So do the work at 3uncanny4.com. I hope y'all are taking care of yourselves as we deal with these heavy conversations. One self-care tip from me is get you a delicious smelling candle. There is nothing like the smell of amber or sandalwood or pine to just melt some of that stress away. Oh, and one more thing. We're putting some handy resources on our website in case y'all want to do some reading up on the topics we talk about in the show. So you can find that at dotheworkpod.com. For 3 Uncanny 4, I'm Brandon Kyle Goodman. Until next time, you can find me on the gram at Brandon K. Good. Thanks for listening.